Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, the, uh, the first time that I ever went to church is because a friend invited me to go. Uh, because I would never have thought of going to church like on my own, right? Like that's something that I would naturally do. But uh, so I went to this building that I'd never been in uh, with these people that I had never met before, and I showed up. And when I showed up, I experienced uh, something. And what I experienced was that the people at the church welcomed me. They wanted to know my name. They wanted to know where was I from, uh, what kinds of things did I enjoy to do. Uh, They helped me to understand what was happening during the service um, so that I could follow along. They helped me to find passages in the Bible, like the difference between John chapter 1 and 1 John uh, chapter 1, things like that. Uh, They they didn't care that I smelled like cigarette smoke. Uh, They simply loved me. That was it. And so what happened is I just kept going back. And while I was at church, I heard clear truth about the Bible. I listened to and watched other people sing songs about God and to God. Um, Sometimes some of the people, when they would sing, I would notice that they raised their hands in the air as they were singing. Other people, uh, some were just uh, crying and weeping as they sung. Other people would uh, turn in their chairs and kneel down uh, in prayer, though I didn't know at the time what they were doing. Uh, Sometimes I tried to join them to sing. I didn't know those songs, right? I was like listening to 89X and uh, stuff like that, right? Some of you guys are like, what's that? 1990s Detroit, you know, that was great. Okay, anyways, uh, so, sorry, that's another life. Um, but, so, so I asked, uh, while I was there, I asked questions about things that I, that I didn't understand. I had lots of conversations with people about things that, that I believed, and sometimes people would help me very kindly to see that some of the things that I believed were very wrong, right? And they helped me to see from truth uh, what was real, um, I remember I even joined the choir one time. Yeah, I did. Let me tell you, those, those robes aren't cool now, and they weren't cool then, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now, all right? I think ours were red, <laughs> right? Yeah, that was another day. Um, but, uh, but so, right, so all of this is going on, right? All of these things are happening, and then one day, a miracle happened, I believed. I believed. I, I, can't, I can't really explain exactly what happened or what all was behind it, but, but I believed that Jesus was God. I believed that I needed him, and I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life following him. That, and, and I can't tell you the progression of all the things that took place, but it just, it almost just happened. And so for the last 25 years, God has been changing my life since that day, growing me uh, to trust him in new ways. And to be transparent, it, it hasn't always been smooth. And it definitely hasn't always been easy. Actually, there have been some times in my life that have been very, very hard to trust the Lord, very challenging to trust him. And yet, it's always been good. 
It's always been good to trust him. And, and quite frankly, if the last 25 years is just a little bit of a precursor to what the next 25 years and what eternity has in store, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do in my life and in you as well. And, and so today, what I want to do is I want to show you from the Bible the one thing that, that I really believe that God has used to change my life. And, and we're going to look at that, looking at the life briefly, at one of Jesus' followers whose name is Peter. And, and we're going to see how God transformed him. And by the way, God can change your life too. You need to know that right? There's not just this select tiny minority who can be transformed by Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, um, any person who pursues him and trusts him can be transformed as well. So, um, so uh, I'm taking the blame for this. I gave Allie the wrong reference. Some of you guys are ready. You're like in Second Peter, ready to go. Uh, go to Luke 5, okay? So, uh, haha, gotcha. We will go to Second Peter, but just go to Luke 5 now. So, but as you're going to your next Bible reference... Um, I do want to welcome you guys here. Thanks for being here. I want to say welcome to all of our guests, uh, everybody here at Lighthouse Community. Those of you guys, I know that party crew down in Bluffton Community rolling with us today. We're super glad you guys are with us. Fostoria, Lighthouse Online, wherever you're at, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and as Ali said, we are kicking off this brand new series called Face to Face. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some people who were close to Jesus and how Jesus affected them, right, in deep and profound ways. And so as we look at their lives, I think two things are going to happen. First, what's going to happen is these, these characters from a book, you're going to see these are real people. These are, these are real people who lived real lives, who really struggled and trusted and, and followed Jesus, right? I think that's the first one. The second thing is this. I think you're going to learn more about who you are, and you're going to learn more about who Christ is and how to trust him more. So we're going to jump right in uh, with uh, three truths. I want to introduce you to Peter, talk about some things that are true about his life, um, and then cross over into ours as well. For the, so the first truth that I want to share with you about Peter is this, is that Peter's life was changed. Peter's life was changed. When you first meet per Peter in the Bible, he was fishing, because that was his job. Peter was a fisherman. And so what you need to know about fishermen in those days, which probably isn't too different from, from our day and age, but fishermen, they were hard workers. They were a little crude, right? Um, you know, a little rough around the edges, rough in how they interacted with each other. And, and when you see Peter and you see the way that he interacts, you see that, yeah, Peter is brash. Um, he's quick-tempered. He's he acts a little bit on intuition and gut, which gets him in trouble sometimes, but at other times it leads him to say some really profound and amazing things. You're like, wow, and then he says something very stupid right after, right? So like, totally relatable. I get, I understand Peter, um, but he's quick to speak. He's quick to act. Um, his instincts weren't always right. He's a little bit brutish sometimes, and as a fisherman, Peter would have been destined to live out his entire life right there in Galilee and really go no further. Maybe he traveled to Jerusalem every now and again as a Jew. But other than that, he's going to live right there in Galilee, working the sea for his living. But when you fast forward to the end of Peter's life, you end up seeing this very thoughtful man who wrote very insightful letters 
to people that he cared deeply about. And he wanted to shepherd them and help guide them through some of the most tough and significant seasons in their lives, right? People helped other people trust Jesus for themselves. And you have to know that Peter's life was changed. And so the question that gets begged is, how? How has Peter's life changed? Well, that's the second truth about Peter is this, is that Jesus changed Peter's life. Jesus changed Peter's life. So uh, now we're all ready at Luke 5, ready to go. You get this glimpse from Luke about Peter's first encounter with Jesus. And, and if you're there, you're, you're, you're scanning through that, and you see Peter and his crew, they've been out fishing all night long, and he's such an amazing fisherman that they have caught nothing, right? Like nothing. He's worn out. He's tired, and, and they're putting their nets away. And all of a sudden, this rabbi shows up, who clearly is an expert fisherman, right? And he goes, hey, you ought to put your nets out into the deep water. And I can just imagine Peter, right, saying a couple things under his breath, and then all of a sudden going, we've fished all night and we haven't caught anything. He says, but, but because you said something, uh, I'll go ahead and do that. I think he did it more out of respect. And so what they do is they go to the deep waters, they throw their nets in the waters, they pull them up, and they catch so many fish, the nets are beginning to break, right? And so Peter, in this moment, is beginning to see and realize who Jesus is, so much so he falls at the feet of Jesus and says, I'm sinful, you need to get away from me. I don't deserve to be in your presence, right? He recognizes in this moment, he's beginning to, who this man is. And Jesus says something very profound. He says, Peter, you used to be a fisherman. I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. And then he says, follow me right? And Peter did follow Jesus, actually left everything and followed him. And this is one of the first steps of change in Peter's life. Well, over the next three years, Peter would witness amazing things like Jesus feeding thousands of people on a couple loaves of bread and some fish sticks, right? Like he sees Jesus raised back to life, the daughter of a synagogue ruler, Peter gets to walk on water, right? Like, that's crazy. Um, The other thing, he gets to witness Jesus' transfiguration. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. It's absolutely amazing. Peter would listen to Jesus' soul-penetrating teachings, and he even got to learn from Jesus himself how to pray. These are all the things... And every one of these moments was changing Peter one step at a time. But perhaps the most powerful moment of transformation for Peter was a moment that he really messed up. I mean, he blew it. And if you jump over to Mark chapter 14, you'll see it there. In Mark chapter 14, we get a glimpse into one of Peter's lowest moments. 
what happens is, is this is Jesus has been arrested. He's now on trial in the middle of the night in front of this religious court that are grilling him all kinds of questions. And Peter is outside the building in the courtyard where there's a fire and there's kind of some commotion going on. And he's out there. And while he's out there, as Jesus is being berated with questions, being accused, a little girl, right, a servant girl comes to Peter and goes, hey, weren't you with Jesus And Peter goes, no, I was not, you little girl, right? And then he like gets away from her. And then a little bit later, she goes, "Now I know I've seen you with him before, right? And Peter's like, no, I'll tell your mom. You know, you come in, you come at me again. I never hit a girl before, but you know, um, like, you know, so Peter, he's like, no, I don't know this man. And so a third time, there's some bystanders that are going, Listen, you're, you're Galilean. Your accent gives you away. Surely you know this man. You're one of his followers. And Peter, right, he curses upon himself and he swears, I don't know that man. And you jump to verse 72. And there's this moment that happens and it says this. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, right? That before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter realizes this and he breaks down and he, and he wept, right? He, just, he lost it in that moment. Three times, Peter denied even knowing Jesus. And there, there's no way for me to be able to accurately describe how hurtful, like just how meaningful it was for Peter to deny even knowing his rabbi. There is no worse way for a disciple to betray his rabbi. Like this is it, to, to, to not even admit that you know the guy. And in fact, this moment is so important that all four gospels include this account. Could you imagine having one of your lowest moments on display for everybody to see and for it to be replayed over and over and over again, right? This is what's going on. And Peter knew what he had done. Like, he, he, he wept and he didn't care who saw him wailing and who saw him broken because he knew in that moment that his friendship with Jesus was over. He had betrayed his rabbi, his closest friend. Think about it. That's, that's the last moment that Peter remembers being near to Jesus before he died. Could you imagine that? So all four Gospels record that moment, but thankfully, John, the Apostle John, records another moment. It's found in John chapter 21. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so assuming that his career was over, Peter did probably what I would do. He went back to his old job, right? He's like, well, I'm a fisherman. My career as a disciple is over. I'll go back to fishing. And so then after a long night of fishing and again catching nothing, <laughs> I think you'd get another profession, <laughs> you know, at that point, um, They're out there fishing, and it's morning, and Peter sees Jesus on the shore, right? Actually, somebody goes, it's Jesus. 
And, and Peter, he doesn't even wait for the boat to change direction. He just, he just jumps out of the boat, right? Like reminds me of Forrest Gump when Lieutenant Dan shows up, right? He like just jumps out of the boat, uh, that's my boat. Uh, and, you know, it's like he just sees him and he swims for him and he just wants to be near Jesus. And I want you to listen to this conversation between Peter and Jesus. It says this, when they, uh, starting in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon... Son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny even knowing Jesus? How many times was it? Three. How many times did Jesus ask Peter to affirm his love for him? Three, right? What Jesus is doing is he's restoring, he's reconciling what Peter thought was a broken relationship. And then Peter, if you, if you fast forward just a little bit in those verses, Peter heard again the very first words Jesus said to him, follow me. This is not over. I know you blew it. I know you screwed up. I, I know this is the worst thing that a disciple could have ever done to a rabbi. Right? But he says, listen, we're going to do this thing together. So Jesus forgave and restored him because Peter's sin was paid for through Jesus' death on the cross. And those despicable acts did not belong to Peter anymore. Jesus took ownership of that betrayal on the cross. And it was as if Jesus had actually denied the Father three times. Not Peter denying Jesus, right? He absorbed that. Think about that. Jesus absorbed that sin, that hurt, and what he grants instead is forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the gospel, by the way. That's the gospel. And if Jesus can forgive Peter for his overwhelming sin, do you think that Jesus could forgive you for your sin? The answer is yes, by the way. So you have to see that Peter's life was changed, but it wasn't because he, like, he got better and stronger and smarter and he figured it out. His life was changed because Jesus changed it. Jesus transformed Peter's life. So you have to know that. And here's the last truth, is that God used Peter's changed life. God used Peter's changed life. Because Jesus wasn't done with Peter, right, in John 21. In fact, when you fast forward to Acts chapter 2, Jesus changed Peter's life all over again by giving him 
and every other follower of Jesus Christ, giving him the gift that he promised, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit entered into Peter and began to indwell in him, what happened is this guy who was afraid to admit to a small servant girl that he even knew Jesus was willing to stand up and boldly preach the gospel of a resurrected Jesus to thousands of people in that moment. And he did not give a rip what they thought about him. When you fast forward to Acts chapter 4, you see that Peter and John are now standing in front of the exact same group of guys who sentenced Jesus to death, and Peter boldly proclaims the lordship and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? He's sharing the truth. The Holy Spirit even inspired this roughneck Galilean fisherman to write Bible. Once you think about that, there's two New Testament letters that bear his name that are so thoughtful. They're so insightful. They're so caring, right? In fact, 1 Peter is one of the most prized letters all throughout the world because it speaks about how to cling to Jesus through times of suffering and through times of challenge. God used Peter's changed life in remarkable ways. Think about this. God's still using Peter's life today in amazing ways. And so when you think about this, right, when you, when, when you cross over to our time and we think about what this means for us and you think about, right, salvation in Christ and you think about becoming a Christian, you think about following Jesus, you have to understand that the goal is still the same as it was when Peter first met Jesus, and that is a changed life. It's a changed life. I mean, look back what Jesus said to Peter when he very first invited him to follow him. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, right? Jesus says these words to Peter. I want to read these out loud together, starting with follow me. Are you ready? Go. Follow me and I will fishers of men. Yes. Now, what's really important here is this word make in the Greek, carries the meaning of change. Follow me, and I will change you into fishers of men. I know, what, I know who you were. I know what you were. I'm going to change you into something else. And so what Jesus was saying to Peter was, if you follow me, I'll change your life. It'll be different than it was before. Jesus says the same thing to you and to me today, right? That if you follow me today, I will change your life. Because genuine faith in Christ will change your heart. It'll change your thoughts. It'll change your words. It'll change your actions. Right? It'll change your relationships. Right? Jesus will change your life. And you have to understand is that you can't change your life on your own without him. Right? That's a substitute to the side. You can only be changed by Jesus, by his grace, by his love, by his faithfulness, by his gospel, and by his Holy Spirit. And, you have, and the only way that you can do that is you have to have your own personal encounters with Jesus. You can't ride the coattails of anybody else. You can't live off of the faith of other people. You have to have your own personal encounters with Jesus. This is exactly what Peter was writing about 
right? In 2 Peter, the very, very original one that we asked you to go to and then to go away from and then go back to, right? So we're going to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is what Peter writes. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths that we made known to you, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it. We were there, man. We, like, I, was in, I was in his presence. He goes on to say, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Peter's referencing back to Jesus' baptism, which is found in Matthew chapter 4. Um, right? He's talking about this moment when the Father speaks uh, about the Son. And then he says, verse 18, We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Right? Like this. Or excuse me, he's talking about the transfiguration, not the baptism. Sorry. Um, but so he's saying, we were there. I saw it. This, this isn't, listen. Peter's life was changed because he spent time with Jesus. He heard Jesus' teaching. He watched Jesus' life. Peter saw how Jesus interacted with different people in different situations. We're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about philosophy. We're not even talking about airtight, really clear theology. That is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a changed life by Jesus because you got close to him. This is what Peter is expressing here. And if you're going to experience real life change from Jesus, well, the only way forward is you have to spend time with him, right? I, I have to spend time with him if my life is going to be changed and transformed. I, I got to tell you, that has been the number one thing that has transformed my life over the last 25 years. And, and, and I've done classes on theology and original Greek and original Hebrew and so, right, all the background, and all, like I've got a degree and all of that kind of stuff. And the number one thing that has consistently transformed my life is simply being with Jesus, spending time with him. And you're like, well, how do you do that? Because I don't think Jesus is going to invite me to go fishing with him, right? <laughs> like in the flesh, right? I don't even have a boat. Um, but, right? But you can, you can spend time with Jesus. One of the best ways to do that is simply by reading the Bible. Just reading the Bible, right? Like, read Matthew, read Mark, read Luke, read John. These are simply accounts of Jesus' teachings. These are accounts of Jesus' life, his actions, the things that he did, right? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Pick one of those books Read it from the beginning and don't stop till you finish it, right? You don't have to do it all in one setting, but like start in Mark 1 and go all the way to 16, right? Like read as far and read as fast as you want. Maybe you read a chapter a day. Maybe you'll read until you just stop. And, and here's what I would encourage you to do. Resist trying to figure everything out while you're reading it. Well, what does that mean? How is this connected to that? Let me tie this back to some other, blah, 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 right? And just witness the life of Jesus from the Gospels, right? And know, and here's the thing, listen, for some of you guys, you're going like, to you're gonna, you're gonna push back on this, but I'm telling you, it's true. I'm telling you, you have to know that sometimes simply reading the Bible 
is enough. Sometimes just reading the words and even hearing myself say them out loud and and not going any further than that, sometimes that's just enough for the Holy Spirit to begin transforming my life. So spend time with Jesus through the Bible. The other thing I would encourage you to do this is you can spend time with Jesus through prayer. And, And listen, prayer can be intimidating sometimes, right? Like, how do I know if I'm saying the right things? Uh, What if I say something wrong? What if I don't hear God speak to me when I'm praying? What if I do hear God speak to me while I'm praying, right? Uh, Let's do this. I want to do a very scientific poll here really quick. Just across all locations, Bluffton 2, I want you to join in on this. I want you to do me a favor, nice and high, raise your hand if you have ever struggled with prayer in your personal life. Raise your hand. Okay, all right, yeah. Me too, (laughs) right? Like, yeah. Prayer, prayer can be really, really challenging sometimes. Uh, by the way, if you're online, you're in the chat, like, just let us know, man, I struggle with prayer sometimes too, because we all do. And, and, and maybe you struggle with prayer for different reasons, right? Like, you don't know what to say. You're like, oh, prayer's boring. Uh, I don't really have time. I don't really think about praying throughout the day because I'm really, really busy or, you know, whatever it is. I, I struggle with prayer sometimes uh, because I'm a doer. I'm an active person, and sometimes for me, prayer feels like I'm just sitting around, right? And, and I'm, I'm like, well, I could be like, I could be doing something, you know, instead of just sitting here. But, but I have learned over the years that the times in my life when I am most resistant to prayer in my own life, with all of my legitimate excuses, right, I'm married. I have four children. I have, right, that one should be enough right there, right, okay? Uh, Some of you are going, amen. Um, I have three, amen. Um, You know, but, uh, right, all of my legitimate excuses that the times I've learned, the times I'm most resistant to prayer are the times I need to pray the most. When I struggle the most to pray, to want to pray, to even do the time of prayer, that's the times where I have to push through. And I need to be in prayer because prayer changes me. Prayer forces me to rely on God instead of relying on me. Prayer requires me to slow down. Prayer begs me and opens the door to reflect on my own life in those times. Prayer also makes me think about other people. Prayer makes me think about you. Right? And so let me give you just a quick jump start to prayer in your own life, because some of you are gone, man, I just, I don't even know where to start. Um, here's a structure that you might just use. And just very simply, you might write down silence, others, me. What I would encourage you to do is maybe just start out with a time of silence. Just don't say anything, right? Like take your phone and put it away somewhere like in a drawer, in a closet, something, right? If that's going to distract you, put it away. If your children are a distraction, put them away. In a drawer. uh, (laughs) I don't think that's legal. Um, But uh, anyways, you get what I'm saying. But start with silence and invite the Holy Spirit to identify areas in your life. 
or maybe you've been relying on yourself too much, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you in that time of silence and to prepare your heart. And by the way, it could be 10 seconds of silence. It could be two minutes of silence. I've sat as long as about 12 to 15 minutes, which is a long time to be silent, especially somebody who gets paid to talk. But, you know, it's like to sit silent. And what you might end up doing during that silence is you might end up, you might end up praising the Lord. You might end up confessing a sin. But silence is a powerful way to prepare your heart for prayer. But the second thing is this. After silence, just spend time praying for other people. Take the focus off yourself. Put a list together of names. You might even reach out to them. You go, hey, I'm, I'm trying to grow in praying, and, and you're on my list. What, what can I pray for you about, right? And some people are like, oh, I'm good. And I was like, okay, you need Jesus, uh, right? You know, <laughs> but, you know, what, whatever, right? You, you pray for him about whatever. But think about, think if you got that text or that phone call, what a blessing that would be to get a text or a phone call. Hey, I'm growing and praying for people, and you're on the list of people that I want to pray for. That, that, that could be powerful to receive that kind of a thing. But think about their situation. Pray scripture over them. Pray for them how you would pray for yourself if you were in that situation, right? Very simple. And then the third thing is to pray for yourself. And I would say this, just, just be honest before the Lord. What do you think you can hide from him that he doesn't already know? Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing. Share your fears, share your hopes, confess your faith in him. Confess your love for him. Um, spending time with Jesus in prayer will change your life. But you've got to spend time with him. Here's the last thing I would just say very quickly about uh, a changed life by Jesus. Is the last thing I think that if Peter were here, I think what Peter would say to us about being changed by Jesus is this. Trust that Jesus will finish the work that he started in you. Trust that Jesus will finish the work that he started in you, right? Because you might not be where you want to be today, but you're also probably not where you started either. And so resist comparing yourself to another believer. Well, I don't as much as he does. Well, I don't as much as she does. And I don't have the whatever, right? I can imagine that when you come to Jesus and you say, well, I'm, what about them? Jesus can say, what about them? You follow me. You walk with me. I always finish what I start. Every good work that God begins, you can trust that he's going to bring it to completion. That includes your changed life. Now, there's a couple of next steps I would invite you to consider this week in, in whatever location that you're at. I would just encourage you, grab, grab your connection card, flip it over, take a look on the back there. The first one is this, is you might actually take some time this week to understand and meditate on the gospel. Right? So we, we created this seven-day gospel meditation guide. And so what it is, is there's seven verses over the next seven days, or seven passages of scripture uh, that kind of expose different aspects of the gospel. And then there's a guide for you on how to meditate through those passages. And I would just say this is a great way to spend time with Jesus. And so if you want to get that guide, any of our locations, Bluffton, uh, Lighthouse Online, here in the house, check that next step and make sure your email address is on your connection card. And I will send that to you tomorrow morning. And so you can start Monday through Sunday spending time meditating on the gospel. The other step you might take is this, is to simply be silent before the Lord each day. 
to set aside 10 seconds, three minutes, 20, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's nothing in the Bible prescribed on that, but just sit in silence. And a lot of the times when I'm sitting in silence, one of the first things I'll do is I'll just ask the Holy Spirit, will you, will you just overwhelm me with Christ's love right now? Would you overwhelm me right now with Christ's love? And sometimes I can feel my heart being filled with joy. I can feel my spirit wanting to praise and celebrate him when I ask the Holy Spirit to do that. And other mornings, when I ask the Holy Spirit to overwhelm my my life with Christ's love, I don't feel anything, but I know that it's true because the scriptures are true. And so maybe you would take some time to sit in silence before the Lord this week. I'd love to know, and so I can pray for you this week on your connection card. But the only way true life change happens is when you spend time with Jesus. It has to be you. Nobody can spend time with Jesus for you. You have to be the one to do that. And, and I would say this too, maybe you're new to Lighthouse, maybe you're new to Bluffton, and you're, it, listen, it is okay to not understand everything that's going on here on Sunday morning. Because there's a level where, quite frankly, not everything we do on a Sunday morning is for people who don't know who Jesus is. Actually, much of what we do is for people who have already encountered him and are wanting to walk with him. But I would just say, that doesn't mean you're not welcome, but it just means you might not understand. Why would we start a service with confession of our sin. Why did we do that? I don't understand that. That's okay. You don't have to understand everything. It's okay to watch other people worship the Lord. It's okay to ask questions about things or wonder why is Jesus such a big deal around here? It seems to me That when you simply spend time with Jesus, what happens over time, and it's hard to explain, but when you simply spend time with Jesus, a miracle can happen. And you just just believe, and it makes sense, and it clicks, and you're ready to walk with him. But you've got to know that Jesus changes your life. It's Jesus. Not me, not this church, not anybody else, but it's Jesus. And I would invite you to pursue him with everything inside you. I want to invite you at all locations to bow your heads, to close your eyes. And I want you to ask this question and to think about it for just a moment. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just want you to listen for a moment. Jesus, we, we praise you that simply being in your presence is enough to be changed. That we, we see your grace with greater clarity. We see your power. We, we see your wisdom. We see how good you are. And that simply being witness to your work, simply being witness to your teachings being witness to your work on the cross and your resurrection out of the grave. 
that the Holy Spirit uses that and transforms our lives in a way that, that no self-help book could do, that no amount of, of talking with a friend, that no amount of self-discipline could ever, because none of that can change a broken heart. None of that can transform a heart that's bent towards self. And we praise you that you have made the way for us to be made whole, for us to be brought back into a relationship with the Father, the way we were designed to from the very beginning. And so may you encourage us to know that transformation, life change happens one step at a time. And it comes from simply being with you. Another thing that the Lord uses to change people is, is praying together. And so we're going to spend some time here in the house praying for one another. And so we're going to sing one more song. And if you want to pray in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to slip out of your seat and come down to the aisle. We're going to have prayer leaders available in each corner of the room. So I'm going to ask those prayer leaders to head to those corners so people know that you're ready to pray with them today. And the band's just going to lead us in one more song, so it's not going to be super long. But if you want to pray about any area of your life, this, man, this is a great time to do that. And please, please don't, don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. And you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse to be prayer, to receive prayer. This could be your first time. This could, it, it doesn't matter. If you simply want to pray with someone else, this is an opportunity to do that. And we're just asking in this time, unless you have an emergency, just hang here with us and, and, and be in this moment with the Lord. But if you want prayer, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to do the same thing. So let's do this. Let's stand here in the house. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.